This is Reverend Slippery, and you're listening to the Cashers Corner Podcast. Welcome back to Cashers Corner. Um, this month we have the same special guest that we had last month, Paul and Stacy. Um, we're your hosts, Zor and Reverend Slippery, and uh, we're going to do a, another podcast. This is uh, take two since the last time that we recorded this, which was like two weeks ago. Something went a little snaky with my phone, so both me and the Reverend are recording this to ensure that that doesn't happen again. So. Uh, Basically, going to run through some of the the news and stories and stuff. So uh, I got a couple of things on here. Um, Paul, you were at uh, Geo Woodstock as well, so uh, you would have also heard that uh, Geo Woodstock Ten has been announced for May twenty six, two thousand twelve, in Sellersburg, Indiana. Going back to its roots, the the Inky Cashers. Yeah, they because uh, the first one was in that same area, was yeah, it not? Same area, and it's a group that's in southern Indiana, so it's got Indiana and Kentucky. And that's good. So uh, it's going back to the roots of tent, and there's actually a group of seven cashers, I think, that have been to all nine Geo Woodstocks. Really? Because the first Geo Woodstock had less than 100 people. Oh, wow. Minutes. I didn't realize and it was such a small uh, event. it's grown immensely. But geocaching was only a year or two old then. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, because it's... I went and I looked at the uh, Geo Woodstock 9, just the attended logs, like just like a week or so ago, and it had 1,800 uh, attended logs on it. It's crazy. It, it looks like it's going to be good. The only thing I didn't like about the announcement was uh, the change back to the original time, because early July is great time for a lot of people, and I think May will be a little bit harder. I think it'll still be well attended because yeah. of its location, and it's the 10th Geo Woodstock, but moving it back to May creates a lot of problem for a lot of people. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm more... I'm more of the glad it's in May, actually. Cause yeah, because I've heard people talk about it saying it's hard. They can't guarantee to get their summer holidays in. You're a teacher. You have your summers off. It's good for you. <laughs> but for other people, it's it's a difficult time to get that. Yeah, to get so. that. Anyway, yeah, anybody that's interested, I, I kind of have it on my radar. I'm gonna, As uh, do I. I'm going to uh, attempt to make sure I have enough points to try and fly there on, on points. So see how that goes. Um, I had a little note here that we had... Uh, uh, I've read some more information regarding the ongoing battle of light squared versus the GPS industry. And for those who are uh, unaware of what this is, it's tied to the fact, and this really doesn't apply so much in Canada, uh, more so the U.S., about the fact that uh, light squared is responsible for the LTE uh, 4G networks in the U.S. They're setting up a whole series of cell towers. And the, the word is, is that their towers are going to interfere with the GPS signals. So if you're traveling in the United States, if this is allowed to go through, there could be very large dead zones for GPS. Wow. And the uh, the FCC apparently didn't know about this when they approved the whole thing. So there's a big controversy about, you know, the kind of future of that. So apparently it's kind of going back and forth. So uh, anybody that's traveling in the U.S. and, you know, you're, you're curious about it, you can probably just read about it online. My gut feeling is governments and satellites will win that particular yeah, battle. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think that... You know, the cell phone industry has much hold but, when it comes to that kind of thing. Like I mentioned in the last podcast <laughs> that I lost, uh, the FAA has a big say in this because yeah. air, aircraft use GNSS, GNSS approaches. Okay. Which are uh, 
G, uh, GPS navigational systems, and they're worried about it. Yeah, absolutely, airplanes. absolutely. So it's definitely something to to uh, to be concerned about. Uh, Sunfest Geocoins. So uh, Reverend, you can chime in on this. They uh, they're released and gone, eh? They were gone in, in three weeks, <laughs> and it's it's funny now because uh, first three weeks I was getting logs on them, two or three logs every day. Sometimes five, six people getting them a day, and now it's dwindled down. Somebody's getting the odd one here and there. Yeah. Everybody around here went and got them right away. Yeah. And now that there's no coin, there's no rush to get the cash. So people are leisurely picking them up one day at a time, it seems, for some people. <laughs> so, def- yeah, it, it, it went over really well. The town was super happy about it. They were really pleased. Um, it's a great little series of caches, regardless. The, the coin, coin was a big motivation for us to do yeah. it when we did. Yeah. Um, but it's nice. They're neat little spots. They're quick caches. That was the, they were family family uh, friendly caches and quick spots that encourage people to get out, walk the trail, go to the exercise equipment, the sports fields, learn where that stuff was. That's what they wanted, and it, well, it was some good spots. It, I was lucky to get them. It's nice when the spots are actually interesting or, or pretty. And, yeah, and yeah. I, I really appreciated that aspect. Yeah, of, yeah. I sure. think that's. I think that and that was one of the things that uh, the post that actually came up since the last time we recorded this, when I got the information from Tiger Tracker regarding the, the seafood excursion caches that are out, and the discussion or the, the stuff that he provided, because he had a lot of discussion with Groundspeak on their rules and, and the things that they consider commercialism and that, and yeah. and I think it's it's definitely important to emphasize that if you're going to go with the tourist type caches and series and coins and things like that. To really try and, and, and focus it on things that people would like to go to, you know. Not to go off on too much of a tangent, and I've only done two of the uh, seafood caches. We did them today, earlier today. And I think it's a phenomenal idea, and I'm really glad that Groundspeak has approved it. But it's still mind-boggling to me that there's such issues with commercialism, quote-unquote, yeah. in caches. And this program gets approved, and they're all at businesses. Oh, really? It, it, it's They're easy. all at or very near fish markets, and you pretty much the one one of them today we had to actually go inside inside oh, the really? to get the clue okay. for the contest. Really? Yes. So that but that is not geocaching has nothing to do with the contest. No, no. But and you can't do the contest on geocaching.com. No, but it's still interesting that, uh, and I'm glad that Tiger Tracker put the work in. And like I said, it was he and Dennis Dennis Land. Dennis Land, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then he landed. Then he did some up. Yeah, and it's phenomenal. But again, it's just. For the average cashier, it has to be so confusing as to what's okay and what isn't. Yeah, I, I think that the whole commercial versus non-commercial, it's its a very, very fine line. And we'll, we'll have a little bit of conversation about that in reviewer woes because we, we've seen that kind of come up. Not that yeah, long yeah, yeah. if you want to put a commercial thing up, put a Munzio. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute too. Um, so speaking of coins and things, uh, Fredericton's also in discussions to do their own GeoCoin challenge. Um, I saw on the Coop, Facebook group. Coop Square. Yeah, Coop Square is really pioneering on that. Uh, him and Freddie Beach, because I know yep. Freddie Beach deals with tourism in New Brunswick. Yep. Um, and I, he's based out of Fredericton. And they're really, really keen on it. Uh, they had a couple of ideas. I think if I heard right, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I saw something like October was sort of a time for a fall, a fall rollout. Yeah, something like that. So uh, definitely something to kind of keep your eye it's, out for. It's great. Fredericton is a, it's just a great area to catch, so it's good that they're getting on with this. It makes a lot of sense because I've already gone to Fredericton three times this summer to geocache, and I'm spending money in the town. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is absolutely. what towns are, are finally really cluing into that. Yeah, you you will draw people. I mean, I know plenty of people that have come to Sackville for a day or even two of caching because of the, the saturation of caches yeah. there. No, yeah. Riverview's caches weren't tourism related. They weren't worried about no. attracting outside people. No, but they Their do. goal was to 
get people active in Riverview. Yes, absolutely. But they ended up, some people said, oh, I went to Steve's Diner for supper yep. and other people's stuff. So, you know, and the, the tourism only one gets you to places where they're hoping you will spend your tourism dollar. Yeah, yeah. And it was a where different... Where yeah, where yeah, where do you want to sleep? <laughs> Moncton. Right? So, so it's it's you're still you're still feeding you uh, you're still feeding money into the local economy via geocaching, yeah, which definitely. is which is great. And I think it's I think it is very nice to see the fact that the municipalities are kind of saying, hey, you know what? Maybe there actually is some merit. You know, it's not just some small a bunch of geeks out there staring at their. Well, well, okay, yeah, we, we are, but you know, but you know, it's still. But there's you know, money. Typically, they typically the geeks have the money, right? Yeah, so they're yeah. out. And I think particularly for smaller towns like Fredericton and St. John's, kind of a no-brainer. Uh, Riverview is still one of the bigger towns, but I, I think there's a lot of smaller towns, like small to, to middle-sized towns, that could really benefit from looking yeah. at this. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And Fredericton is going to be doing a very good job. Yeah, yeah. they have a really, really active group, and they're very conscientious. But they've learned from mistakes that have been made from different places doing yeah. different activities and coins and challenges. Yeah, so they're not they're not doing that. Yeah, well, the coin isn't a necessity, but it's a draw because you spend fifteen hundred dollars or two thousand dollars on a coin, you're bringing way more than that into the town. Oh, it, easily, it, easily, it's unreal. No like question about right? it. Absolutely. Um, so another uh, local thing, not necessarily New Brunswick, but definitely to our area, is the uh, the Confederation Trail Power Trail in PEI, uh, which is an ongoing project of publishing uh, 1,200 caches along the Confederation Trail in PEI, and it's it's almost done. I think there's like 900 and some have been published now. Yeah. So you look you look on the map, it is there's this long green line that goes through the most of the province now. So I think that's I think that's scheduled. I think it'll be all like September. They're they're, be they're supposed to be out by the end of the summer. Yeah, are they really? That yeah. that is going to be because they're awesome. out. They've been hidden for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. It's just the publishing. Obviously, that that takes quite a long time for uh, the reviewers to be going through all that stuff. Yeah, so. I've done very few Confederation trails in PEI, so I'm sure when I look at my map next, I'll see the you know the occasional <laughs> smiley face in a sea of <laughs> green. This one long snake across yeah. the map. While we're talking about PEI, there's some bad news out of PEI too with Nook. Yes, from Nook and Cranny, he passed away. And he was a, a good cashier over there. He had a lot of good stuff out there. Very busy as well. Yeah, it only so started a couple of years ago. And uh, isn't that that's, that's isn't that who we bumped into? Yeah, we met yeah, him. him at the I, we met I, him at I a, was at pretty sure. Cash. Yeah, I was yeah. pretty sure that was him. And I'm like, when I saw that news, you know, yeah, just, major just, just uh, north of Nimrod's house. Wow, that's yeah, yeah, that's not good. No, that's yeah, a big blow to the PEI caching community absolutely, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'm not sure how how involved Cranny has been. I know they cash together a lot. Yeah, uh, when the opportunity arose, she didn't go on the trips as far as I know. But um, I know Nimrod and, and the crew over there are obviously Nim- wow. feeling that loss. Yeah, Bill Nimrod was saying that uh, that's his roommate when they travel. Yeah, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. wow. That that's that's kind of sad. That's actually it's it's interesting you say that because it's the second uh, casher from the island that I found out passed away yeah, recently. Pete, Pete Moss. The uh, well, there was Pete Moss, but uh, just through the oh, race yes. stuff, yes. Uh, the PEI couple. From PEI uh, that were they've been at the last two races. PEI couple. Yeah, the yeah. PEI couple. That's their geocaching. Yeah. Um, his wife. Yes. She had passed away as well. Wow. And uh, so because I, I had spoken via email. He was the gentleman with the artificial. Lake yeah, okay. real nice guy. Yeah. great, great guy. I'm like you know pretty impressed. They actually brought a door prize last year. I was, yeah. You know, they were a real, real great couple. So uh, I've been looking for doors, but I can't find it. If I get a door, <laughs> I'll bring it. Well, actually, I uh, I got my package from Groundspeak yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, That's so they uh, they sent the Idiot's Guide to Geocaching book, and they sent a lackey coin. So I have two prizes nice. from Groundspeak to give away at the race. So. Did you get one of your race lackeys? <laughs> hint, hint. 
Um, so speaking of coins, the ACGA GeoCoin design has been finalized. So um, that we should be seeing something on that too. Yeah. So that was just a just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, they voted on that. And, uh, so we'll see. That's the set, Excuse right? Me. There's the set of four. There's four coins. You yeah. can order all four. There's going to be a limited edition. And then there's going to be a regular edition. I don't know what makes okay. limited and regular. But Last time that it, it was gold was the limited. Yeah. Okay. So there will be that. There will be a pre-order. I, I don't think the pre-order is going to be on the ACJ. It's actually going to be on uh, EC Plus 3, I think, okay. Chuck's website. He's going to look after ordering and the whole bit. Okay. So there's going to be a link on, on to, to pre-order. And you have to pay. The last set, when they came out, they sold fast, especially the LE coins. Really? Yeah. So... We'll make sure we get something like Cash Up NB. When yeah, absolutely. So yes. everybody knows. To, yeah. You know, not everybody maybe goes to ACGA every yeah. day. Yeah. But uh, get get the word out. If anybody wants them, get them quick. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, couple of little things regarding geocaching.com. Uh, there's a new icon has been added to the cache types. Uh, refers to the block party. That's the uh, the big celebration down at Groundspeak headquarters, which has actually moved. They moved their headquarters, or they they have moved, or they are moving. So this place that I went last year so was the Lily Pad. Yeah, the Lily Pad. They had moved. a major. It, they had a fire. Or I don't know. There. I don't know what, exactly what happened. There was a big thing was a fire because it shut down a bunch of stuff on Facebook, and it turned out to be housed in the same building that Groundspeak was housed in. And oh, I remember yeah. that. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that happening. Yeah, so. Uh, Anyway, their their big their big street party that they had because they had their ten year party on the on the corner of their uh, their building last year. So I guess they're making it a yearly thing now because they I actually read uh, August eighteenth two thousand twelve. They're doing another one because they said if you want the icon and you can't get it this year, you can get it next so year. This is something they're keeping to themselves. I, I, yeah, a regular I, person can't host a block party. Yeah, it's going to be a specific. So we'll be out to 10, 10, 10 at, at the no. Lily Pad. Yeah, so if you if you get a chance to be out in Seattle that at, particular that, weekend, you get that icon. So you know, you know you Caleb's birthday. I don't think I'll make it. <laughs> so um, and there's the, also you talk. Sorry, no, no, no go uh, ahead. No, before please. we move on, you talked about a new uh, at. There's new attributes as well. As yes, well. there's there are some new attributes. Climbing, the climbing one. There was who uh, needs a climbing one anyway? <laughs> there was uh, I put one on the race. Actually, there was a thing on the race, and I can't even remember. Yeah, what there's it was. a couple of new ones. I noticed yeah, them. They, but you can only see them if you go and actually start to list the cash. Yeah, and uh, you can now list fifteen attributes yeah, versus 10. ten. Okay, so yeah. they increase the amount of attributes because I actually have had caches where I've I've had I've maxed them I, all I've out. I've used all like, ten. Yeah, and uh, yeah, because I have a. I, I, I don't know if Zonker does the same thing, but I have a running joke. All my events always have watch for cattle. Yeah, that's a pretty. I've done that before too. Yeah, have you? Yeah. Or poisonous snakes. Yeah, <laughs> poisonous snakes. We found two snakes. Paul found two snakes today. Oh, oh really? Gosh, yes. Nice. Non poisonous. Not. Oh well, shame. No cash, but we did find snakes. Yeah, we did have the cash, but we got a couple snakes. <laughs> um, yeah. So talking about the other thing, was geocaching.com related. I noticed in the ongoing thread on the GC forums about the return of virtuals that uh, Groundspeak CEO, excuse me, ooh, uh, Jeremy Irish chimed in about giving a little bit more information about what the new virtuals are going to be like, uh, which sound kind of like Waymarks, uh, but they're not going to be on a separate website. I think he basically said they're, it's kind of like a challenge. They looked at what people are doing with virtuals. 
or were doing with virtuals, and you had to get somewhere and find something or do something or get some kind of information, and they're trying to turn that into a, a kind of challenge of some kind, but that it was not going to count against your stats, which I think a lot of cashers are just going to go, why would I bother? Yep. It doesn't, doesn't I count. I think you'll be in your statistics, but not in your stat. Yeah, it, it won't it, be a find. It, 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 he said it would have its own stat, but yes. it wouldn't count as a find yeah. in your list. So like a souvenir almost. Which yeah, is, or, or the uh, benchmarks. Yeah, the same yeah. kind of thing. You know, we found yeah. a benchmark to get the icon. Doesn't count towards your height, so we're like, well, one benchmark is enough. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's going to be like to be blunt. I think it's going to be an epic failure. Yeah, I, I really don't see that majority of cashers will bother. I think with what it. I think what will happen is, and he did indicate it in subsequent posts that it wouldn't count against your regular fines at first. He says that's a possibility for the future. So I think most cashers are gonna are gonna look at this. A bunch are going to come out, people are going to see what is it really all about, and then it's either going to die badly and it'll go the way Waymarking did, or grass people get the clue and say, okay, well, let's make these part of our of a regular stats, your regular When's finds. the last time Groundspeak actually got a clue about anything? They don't seem to want to listen to their membership. I, I, I don't they really do well, And they've let a lot of projects die, not even necessarily slow, but, you know, die. Well, they also said then. that they're, I read in that, same uh, forum post about uh, where I go, and they haven't given up on them. They've just been very busy with other things right now. That it's the ugly stepchild in the corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think, I mean, I think that they have their own in, in their mind that they. I know that this virtual thing. They say they've been working on it a very, very long time because the the problem has always been. If you read any of the, the threads about it, is the fact that there was always the wow factor. How do you how do you justify hiding well, a virtual without it turning into a McDonald's? And, and I think that they're being uh, careful with it because the reviewers on mass have said repeatedly that they will quit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, if the virtuals come back the way they were. Yeah. So they're, they're, you, you, I think that's probably why they they spent so much time working well, on that. People were just submitting so many virtuals, and it was so much to review and so time consuming. Um, it, it's it's really weird. Like, there's so many things that I'm not sure why they've done. Uh, the the where I go, they say like I think they're just going to keep saying we we haven't given up on it until people stop asking, and then they're going to say we've really given up on it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, before that, when people stop asking, and you know, well, they did just buy the iPhone app. That's what I was just which uh, is a step that, in the right. Direction. That's what I was going to say. I mean, it it you could look at it two ways. It's a step in the right direction because it shows that obviously they they must value it in some regards. Or it's a way to... Just shut it down. Well, no, I wasn't going to say shut it down, but what I was going to say is it's a way to... It's a way to make it seem as if that's a priority. Because if you buy the app and pay the developers whatever money they did, or maybe they just they get a royalty or however it works, then it looks like there, there's a continued interest, and it's like biding their time so they can work on other things. It's, it's really hard to say. But they're also very proprietary over what they're doing. They're very hush-hush, and a lot of uh, GroundSpeak uh, users, like the, the geocachers, are really frustrated with GroundSpeak saying, well, we can't tell you anything, but it's going to be great. Well, I, 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 think, I think with regards to that, I think in some, in some ways they... they because they're a privately held business, I understand that it. That saying, that that it I think I think to them that it's it's a tra- like, I don't know if I want to use the term trade secret or whatever. That's how they treat it, though. That's but exactly that's, how they treat it. You know, I just I think yes, I, I agree with you. I think they could be a little bit more forthcoming with some of the things they're doing. I mean, they at least went ahead and they created the the 
the user feedback forms where you can kind of get a little bit, and there has been traction on things that have happened because there's things like they they fixed the uh, they fixed some of the field note problems, and the, a lot of the bug reports get yeah. filed through there. The so technical stuff seems to get dealt with quickly. Yeah, the actual in the field aspects of the game that frustrate the users tend to to be overlooked. Yeah, I, I tend to uh, I tend to agree on that. So it'll be interesting to see what transpires. We only have. Got a cat here in my mouth. We only have uh, we only have two weeks left before the block party, which is when they're going to announce what the new virtuals are. So in two weeks, we're going to know exactly what's going on. So uh, definitely to keep an eye on that. Talk about that next podcast. Uh, next sounds like a plan. And the last little news thing is uh, you were the one actually Rev that uh, that introduced me to this. Uh, the whole concept of a munzee, which is they're they're calling it a, a new kind of geocaching, which it's not really geocaching, but it's something a little bit different. You want to hey, chime hey, in with the munzee? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Do you want to chime in on this? It's, it's not a geocaching thing. It's a smartphone game that you play with your smartphone. You have to have iPhone and Android type phone or, or a Windows phone. Blackberry and, maybe. Yeah, Blackberry as well. Anything that can scan a barcode or a QR code. Yes. And the objective is to create a code that will have the information about the cache. It would be like putting your listing in a, in a code. Then you actually go out and find a place to hide this. Then you, um, you find a place to hide it. <laughs> I'm being distracted here. <laughs> and um, you activate it live when you're out there. Okay. And then you, you can go. I, I, what I do is I just create blank ones, go hide them, go home, and, and modify them. Okay. So I actually own more than all of South America and Africa <laughs> right now. It's not that big, just 7,000 and some out. But it's a smartphone game. Yeah. It's very similar to geocaching. They are allowing anything and everything to happen. There's no guidelines, there's no uh, space requirements. You can advertise to your <laughs> heart's, heart's content, content for the flies. Yes, and put it in, in your business hmm. and stuff like that. And you earn points for hiding and finding. Yeah, I... So uh, it promotes the hiding as well. I, I went out today, actually, when the, the kids were sleeping in the car, and I uh, I was in Riverview. So yeah. I actually went to get... I went to try to find two of Zonkers. I went to get, find... There's one that's listed as being... At or near the so the new Sobies? Yes. And that one I couldn't find. I found that one in the dark. Did you really? Yes. Okay, well that one I didn't find, but I, I noticed it might have been... It's it's much harder to navigate using Google Navigation than it yeah. is to, to use geocaching. With an app. arrow, yeah. With an arrow. <laughs> you almost have to look, put the pin on your map, and then you have a little blue dot, which is you, that moves as you walk. Yeah. And you have to make your blue dot go to where the pin is. And that's that's where I was. And I, I'm pretty yeah. sure I know the, the general area. But anyway, I went to get another one of his. And I, yeah. that one I found quite easily. Yeah, I've got the all except for the one he's got over in Moncton, which is near Magnetic Hill. Yeah, which is ironic because I was at, I was at uh, Magic Mountain yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> so the parking lot for Magic Mountain. Wow, that? So I haven't got that one yet. But uh, it, it's interesting, it's different, it's not geocaching. I put it on Cache Up NB just because I thought people would be interested in it. I, I Zonker we're going to have to put it on the sister site, Munzee Up NB. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start Munzee Up NB, yes. So, I think anyway, it's, it's, it's different, it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's kind of neat. I, I think it's, it's def- obviously, it's inspired by geocaching, and I think it's just a different, a different way. It, there's a lot of geocachers that are, they're all geocachers. I've went to their forum, they have a forum page, yeah. just like geocaching forums. And uh, they're asking the same kind of questions geocachers ask because they're all geocachers. Yeah. So. And you're not allowed to. You can put them in your geocache. 
You cannot mention it on your geocache yeah, listing. On your listing. They don't want you putting that you have a Munzee in your cache. And you can't, they can't travel, as we learned in the front you of my can't house. Because <laughs> you have to scan it within a thousand feet of where it was deployed. Yeah. So I tried putting one on my truck, and that didn't work. <laughs> That's my truck. So my driveway, where I deployed it. So anyway, it's different. It's, I, I like it. I don't think it's going to go real far. But it's given me some ideas using QR codes. Yeah, I, uh, I actually had tried... This week, I was going to put QR codes on all the uh, clues for the yeah. upcoming race, and uh, I actually abandoned that. Oh. I, I was going to, to to include a special bonus, but um, as it turns out, I, I found that when I put the code in the clue, yeah. the the borders that went around it because it was in the clue itself, yeah. the text in the border that was near the code interfered with the scanning. So most of the time, I okay. couldn't scan the code correctly. And I thought, you know what? There would only be out of the, all the teams, there's probably only going to be a couple that would get it anyway. And I'm like, it's not uh, not necessarily a great idea here. <laughs> so you'll have to pardon me. I'm spraying the cat with water because she's been in here enough. You know, I don't need to need her running around right now, so I'm not being mean, but just go away. <laughs> um, okay, so we're on to uh, recent events and caches. I'm not leaving, Paul, so don't squirt me. <laughs> <laughs> recent events and caches. So um, I mentioned the, uh, the Geo Woodstock trip. <laughs> Paul's uh, armed here with the uh, the spray bottle now. Um, I had written down, uh, yeah, G- Geo Woodstock nine, and uh, Paul as well went uh, went with his family on the trip. And I think it was a, I think it was a good Geo Woodstock. Awesome event. I think it was a great event. It's very different, but I, I went to one, in, in the one Geo Woodstock 5, 6, in North Carolina. And a uh, very different experience to go with a bunch of cashers and cash heavy duty versus going with a family. But, uh, you know, probably more fun this time just because I got to share it with uh, yeah. the kids as well. And uh, a lot of neat stuff there. And they had a lot of events surrounding there. The one thing I found interesting is that they no longer allowed the kind of related events to become megas, even yeah. if they have over 500 cashers, which yeah. I think is silly. Yeah, I, it's a, it's an arbitrary decision. When we went to Geo Woodstock, the meet and greet turned into a mega because there was over 800 people that went to the meet and greet. And they really? and said, "You know what? That's a mega." And since then, they've decided, "No, if there's events related to Geo Woodstock that have more than 500, it's not fair." Yeah, but again, I, I I don't understand that. There's over 500 people. Yeah, it's one of those sort of. Why is it okay, but it's not okay? Like, just have the whole thing called the weekend, then don't even call them different events. Yeah, yeah. You can if it's that. all the mega, then it's not separate events. Yeah. Whereas if it's different events, so you have over 500 people show up, because over 500 people showed up to the coin event, it's a mega. It was oh, in a different yeah. community. Different kind of event entirely. Different kind of event. It was ridiculously hot there. It was like 800 degrees in the fire hall. <laughs> Maybe Castro was approving the Woodstock events. <laughs> oh. Dig, <laughs> dig, dig. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Really I thought well I thought the the fairgrounds is a perfect spot. Great. You know, great. The the food was handled very well. The fact that you could buy like drinks and other stuff that was around there that was really really well done. Yeah. Um, there was a traveling geocache there that I missed. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't realize there, there was, was a traveling geocache. I read that Bernie's Bernie's back in the neighborhood. Yeah, I saw right that. Now. I saw that they were having a. Pr- I I've already found it. So yeah, same here. Thanks to you <laughs> and your muddy feet. Yeah, my muddy. You, I found it too. Yeah, but no, Matt's went to my house. <laughs> yes, it's true. It did. Um, yeah, so great event. Uh, definitely enjoyed Jew Woodstock, and uh, we'll uh, definitely. I'll definitely be seriously yeah. considering next year. Yes, I better look at that. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I didn't go next year. So. The three best friends. <laughs> uh, a couple of other quick, uh, quick uh, things regarding events. Um, Speaking you, of megas, yeah, tomorrow. 
tomorrow. Does it talk about events? Oh, yes, yes. You have a... It, but it's not at Damascus. It's at... Well, this was the recent one, so yes. you had one from before. Uh, that Zonker was Zonker had one. Had one the one tomorrow isn't at Damascus? No, the one tomorrow was at Chocolate River Station. Oh. The Olivier Soaps. Okay. Yes. In, in their little spot. I don't know tomorrow. why the uh, cash owner, the, the turds... That's that cancelled their last uh, Damascus coffee event when people wanted to go. Well, he could have he could have left it and I would have hosted it, but he just made a decision. I won't be here on Mark Abbey. I guess, you know, take my ball and go home. <laughs> That's how Zonker works. Well, I think it was Zinker. Zinker. Oh, the Zinker cat. Yeah, so tomorrow's a breakfast from tomorrow 9 break. Yeah, yeah take, gonna be take the, your poison. Take your poison. Because they serve booze as well. Oh, excellent. Oh, nice. So I'm going to get loaded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eat soap. <laughs> eat soap. You're out of glue? <laughs> oh. I just had flashes from college when uh, we used to watch Ren and Stimpy. And nice. The episode where Ren's got takes the big bite out of the soap because he goes a little crazy. And one of the guys I was in college with, he came back, he came into class the following morning carrying around a bar of soap with a giant bite mark he'd taken out of it. And he's like, I'm never doing this again, but it was so worth it. <laughs> anyway, uh, you had your... Uh, yeah, I also mentioned in the recent events, there's the, the breakfast that have been going on. We're going to talk about the breakfast, actually, as part of one of our monthly topics. Um, I actually was at the, the last Moncton breakfast. Uh, which had a, yeah, which you, there was a pretty good, uh, pretty good turnout there, actually. That was, uh, was pretty good. Uh, you had your wing night and your campfire as well. Yeah, those went well. Not too many people, but who went there had a great time. Yep, that's, that's good. Uh, Tiger Tracker's done in the last month or so two introduction to geocaching events. Uh, he had a real small one in Dieppe, uh, but literally really, really small. I think there was only two non-cachers there. Uh, but then there was another one like just a couple weeks ago with, you know, three sets of 45 kids. Yeah. So, and that one went really, really well. I and think. he had a good turnout of cashers too to help. He had over a dozen. Yeah, yeah. So that was a really, really good event. Uh, you know, this is fun. The city of Dieppe really seems to be He's been doing Tiger Tracker, like, a uh, big shout out just for the, like, the promotion he does for caching. Uh, it, it's pretty neat to see. Yep. And he's got something else in the works right now, him and I. Excellent. Yeah. So, uh, and let's see, I had AQ Gathering in St. John, which was at, would you say the name of that place Aquarius. was? The Aquarius. Yeah. Right over on the west side. Yeah, so there was a, an event there. Uh, listed some new geocaches. A lot of caches by a lot of different cachers, like a lot of names. MK Legs, Cable Guy, Garn430, which I went and did some of the caches today. Great job. It was one of his yes. that I sent you the text about. Yeah. The one by the water, the along the walk, the walk in front by the, the I don't know what you call it. The, the bench. Board, the oh, board, yeah, the yeah. Benches did you end up getting the best No, one. I didn't get that one. Okay, yeah. So. Best one in the series. Best one in the series. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I hear, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk about you that bet. later. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to... Uh, I actually now. had my hand on that one and didn't know it, and then I phoned a friend and realized that I had my hand on I, it. I'm pretty sure I had an idea what it was, but I yeah, I, we'll, we'll talk about that after. Yeah. We'll talk about that offline. Um, Critter's worst nightmare cache, uh, fantastic cache. Um, can't say enough good things about it. Went to it. I re- I really thought you know he spent like 12 hours putting it together. I think it was really his good. newer one is supposed to be kind of tricky too. It's down the same road. Hookshot. <coughs> I haven't done hookshot yet, but yeah. Um, there's been a lot of different ones coming out in Sackville, and mainly mainly Critter. He's been putting a lot of. You, you said there was somebody else put out three. Just uh, Geodimeter. Yeah, I've seen the Geodimeter. Yeah, when he was down on vacation, he hit three a couple days ago, and they got published last night. Oh. Yeah, he was down on vacation. He came to. He was actually at Tiger so Tracker's event. He's got five caches in Sackville now. Okay, he's there quite regularly. 
Oh, is it? Yeah. He has Stanley there. He's from oh. Murray Corner originally, so it's really okay. nearby. There's been a lot of new caches come out in Sackville, partially, I think, because I'm whining for people to put caches <laughs> out so I can continue my streak towards yes, 100 days. your streak. Um, but I put out a couple as well. Um, yes, Pole Vault, which is on our Pole list Vault. here. Um, which I've gotten comments on because a lot of people have driven by it and can see it. Um, and I've, I've said on the cache page, if you're there when somebody finds it, you can claim the find. Although some people have said that they wouldn't do that. Um, so they're never going to, to claim the find. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about doing event, an event, and uh, if I can convince one of the people with climbing spurs to, to go out afterwards so people can go out and claim it that way. Um, but uh, I've also gotten comments because I said it's the Sackville Psycho Series number one, <laughs> in, implying that there are going to be more in the series, which there are going to be. Critter's thinking that he may add to the series as well, because it's by no means my series. I yeah. just thought by putting number one and when people see it, they're going to be disturbed. But I do have now two more ideas for, for Psycho Caches in Sackville. Yeah, because there's we'll definitely... I've, I've definitely heard that term for Psycho Series before from some of the, the insane caches that down in the U.S., for sure. Yeah, and mine pretty, pale in comparison... But, I mean, that, still, the pole vault cache... Okay, is, pole vault maybe not. That. Pretty, that's pretty awesome. Like, that's that's a pretty good cache. I'll, I'll give you that. I believe there's some like that. There must be some like that other places. There, there's one, one of the Psycho Urban caches is... Yeah. Is that. And that's yeah. definitely where I got the idea. It's a cache I've wanted to for ages because it's something that's doable. Yeah. Um, yeah. As long as you're a little off. So, cool. I know three people that have spurs. Katie Cashers. Critter. Critter. And Cable, and cable Guy 1. Yes, because Cable Guy 1 posted them on Facebook, as I recall. He had a picture. Yeah, and he said, River Slipper, this one's for you. Yeah. He's standing at the bottom of the pole. He hasn't gone up yet. <laughs> yeah, also, the other thing with that one is that it's not just the pole, although the pole is plenty of a challenge. To get into the pole, it's brutal. Yeah. It's I, just in the middle of a thicket of alders. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I've heard that as well. Nice. It's, it's just not pleasant. But, you know, it's they give you a train five. Different. It's a... Was it a Terrain 5? Terrain 5. Yes, difficulty 1, Terrain 5. Yeah, anyway, that, that, yeah. that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. We're going to get to that. But it's a difficulty 5. Yes. We, and it would be more. <laughs> if you could. Yeah. If I could. Um, I also mentioned another one here, which I just looked at just literally before we started. Uh, somebody by the name of Bud Sirius hit a big series called Back in Black. There's like, I'm sure there's yeah, a I saw that. Yeah, um, in the list, and I think it's it's near Fredericton. It is but, near Fredericton. Yeah, it's not right yeah. there, but it's in that general area. So. Um, so that, I guess, would bring us to our, uh, our monthly topics, and I'm just checking where we are. Oh, okay, we're doing good here. So, um, as far as our monthly topics, let's, uh, let's chime in right away with the first one in my list, which is, uh, Reviewer Woes, and I put this as a topic for the month, um, mostly because I know that within the last month or so, or at least since the last podcast, there's been, uh, a lot of discussion and some troubles with the local reviewers, and I think it's it really comes right down to well the reviewer you mentioned earlier, which his name's Castrone, and I'm not I don't want to start this off by sounding like I'm bashing the reviewers because this is not what it's about. It's more about the fact that I think there's been some a shift in the way caches are being approved, and it's not necessarily that the shift is you know all of a sudden they're being difficult, I think it's just, it seems like with the introduction or the addition of Cash Drone as somebody doing reviewing, at least in the short term with, uh, it seems like Cash Tech and Cash Agent are doing a lot of the Confederation Trail stuff, like, I guess that's the big reason why we haven't been seeing them ca publish caches, um, that 
Castron's a little bit more specific to the rules. Here's the here's the guidelines. This is what the guidelines says. And this is how I interpret this, them. This is how and I'm he not changing. Yeah. Um, so just just to kind of further to that. So just to sort of have a kind of a conversation, what kind of our thoughts are on on the interpretation of the guidelines and how that's kind of unfolded in the last few. Uh, yeah, like I've always month. said, like being a reviewer is definitely a thankless job because. It's not only your interpretations, you've got the interpretations of all the different cashers and how they see it. Um, the biggest problem that the, that the reviewers have always had in my mind has been their consistency or, or lack thereof. And I understand there's exceptions. Then they always say their, their fallback argument is that their guidelines, not rules. Yeah. Which is fine. Like I said, it's very thankless. And I appreciate all the work they do because there's a lot. They have a lot of cashers. They have a lot of egos that they have to deal with and things like that, both above and below them, like the oh. cashers and, and ground speak. So it's very difficult. Um, the biggest thing that I've seen... That surprised me with uh, with Cash Drone is even uh, online in one of the forums recently there was discussion about some topic I don't know if it was commercialism or whatever. He started that thread and and Cash Drone's attitude and demeanor online towards the the cashers who didn't agree with him or who were upset was less than professional. And I know you're a volunteer and I know that it's frustrating and you're defending yourself yeah. and things like that. But I really think that if you're in that position, you have to let some of that stuff go and not sink down to the level of the people who are maybe out of line, or, even worse, be the one who goes out of line first. Yeah. And you get insulting or condescending, and it really upsets people. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I know that the, I guess the kind of, I don't want to use the term controversy, but I guess the discussion about reviewers really came up with, there were a couple of things. I mean, you, uh, Rev, you had a couple of issues with publishing the Riverview caches for the, the yes. Sunfest uh, series. Um, I know that there was a couple of other cashers had, well, actually, the two that come to mind was the Sunfest caches and the event stacking thing, because I had never ever... I was involved with both of them. Yeah, exactly, and I know the event stacking thing is something I had never heard of. It's Um, never been an issue here before. It's never been an issue. Nobody's ever made it an issue in this area, and all of a sudden, you know, with with you and Will putting out two events on the same night, all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, now you can't do that. That's event stacking, and it's kind of like, where did that... How, how did that evolve? Yeah, you Where did can, that come you can from? have a breakfast, a brunch, a lunch, a sito. Yeah, a supper event. <laughs> and supper. But you can't have a, a campfire and but, a wing night. But these are both po- post 6 p.m., so that's event <laughs> stacking. Yeah, and that was a little upsetting. I was fine. Zonker was the one who got denied. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so I, I guess the thing is, and it's interesting about the event stacking because... That actually has led. The, I had started a thread on the Groundspeak forums about that. You know, have the event the event guidelines changed and explain the situation. And a lot of people chimed in, and somebody went ahead and posted a thing on the geocaching feedback forum, saying that the event guidelines should be reviewed to be clarified because of this thread. And they posted that thread, saying, "Look, you know, there's nothing talking about event stacking. This term that's come up. Yeah. No, there's nothing in the guidelines that says anything about it. It just says, you know, for for multiple events, they each have to stand on their own, and that's all it says. You know, it really should be clarified, or there should be more put about it." And uh, someone from Groundspeak came back and said and tagged it as under review. So it is actually something that they're mm-hmm. they're. Well, at least under review, I guess, to, to say we're at least going to look at it, possibly. So We've that, had a couple of those in Moncton where there'll be a breakfast event, and then there'll be a CEDO, and then there might be a flash mob. Yeah. And, there might, and, like, 
it's a little weird. And to be honest, like, I did the first year, and then I'm like, I'd rather be out finding more caches than just, you know, getting six smileys or six <laughs> events throughout the day. But it's still neat to do that once a year, just to have a bunch of different events. Yeah, I mean... And it, then there are standalone events. And it, Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I know myself just this year when they had event day, like, I went to... They didn't. I don't, did, I don't think they had a breakfast this year. Did no, because I had one. I had a. I had an ice cream event. Yeah. Then there was the flash mob and the Cedo, and there was a, a supper event. And I didn't go to the supper event. And the Cedo, I. I think I was just sort of there and gone in mm-hmm. like half an hour. I didn't stay very long. And there were different people at, at yeah. the different events, and they are different events. So, to me, that. Well, and really, what what's the issue if you go to five events in a day, or you go find five caches? Really? Yeah, like it's and, and somebody on the forums actually mentioned they said something like, uh, "All right, so what's the difference if you have two events in the same city that are like two hours apart, and one person goes to both events versus you have an event in one city and another one two hours later in another city that's like fifty miles, and one guy goes to one event and drives all the way to the other? You know, they're separated by a serious amount of distance, but." How is it really any different? It's no different having two events in two different cities or two in two uh, geographically distinct areas. So why is it such a big deal? And I think the counter to that that some of the reviewers are saying is that, well, you know, it's it's the same group. You're really just creating events for the same group of people to go to one after another, one after another, mm-hmm. after another, and it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We are. So what, what, <laughs> we're going to go eat, and then we're going to go do a hike. Maybe, and, and have an event after at a, at a, do a flash event. mob. Like, yeah. I mean, but when you're creating a power trail... You're <laughs> yeah, there. that's another example of that. Like, how is... You know, can you do uh, event power trails? We're going to have an event every 15 minutes. <laughs> we should do a flash mob event like the Improv Anywhere does on YouTube of geocachers just wandering through the mall staring at your GPS and hanging your people. <laughs> That would be awesome. That would be really That's a true cool. geocache look, flash mob, and I don't know that that's been done. You're walking to your event, and you have to, you're looking under the mannequins for the for the cash. Yeah, that'd be great. That's yeah. a great idea. Under the uh, the tables, and the, we're all just yeah. in the food court, and then at a specific time, we all haul out our GPS and start looking, <laughs> start looking for stuff, walking around. Have yeah. someone with the camera shooting the whole. Th- ah, it is a fantastic idea. I like that. That is yeah, a really let's do good it. Idea. We could do that. Good thing we're not posting this to the internet for people. To that's a flash mob. Flash mob. <laughs> Flash mob, flash mob. That's a true geocache flash mob. Yes, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Not like the lame ones where you meet somewhere and eat a cookie. <laughs> or, or a dog, dog treat. I, dog, dog I hosted the first one in New Brunswick. Yeah. I believe it was a, a Hershey's Kiss. Yes. Oh, was it really? That was there the, the big meal? Or a, a gold loon, a chocolate loony. A chocolate loony. Okay, well. So. We're still on a reviewer. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean. Any other sort of comments you kind of want to chime in on? I'm just, I'm just glad that I know now. And I'm going to work around it. I realize this is the issue now. You can't list names. You can't. There's, they've come out and said things. Yeah. And of course, Cash Tech and Cash Agent have no choice but to toe the line with them now. Yeah, and yeah. I think they have. Yeah. I think so. I'm just hey, this is how you have to do it from now on and deal with it. Yeah. If, if you don't like it, go somewhere else. Or yeah. if you don't like it, don't participate in the game. Like, yeah. Yes. I know a lot of people that gripe about <clears throat> the the. You know, this should it be this way and this and no. Yes, you know what? I think there's things that don't make sense. Yes, Paul, you're absolutely right. Sometimes it's totally inconsistent. Yeah. But you know what? It, you either learn to accept and deal with that and be okay with it and continue to play, or you say, you know what? That's just, I, I've gotten to a point, that's it. The, the, well, I've crossed the line and I'm done. Cash seems to be harsher but more consistent 
Um, yeah. So I, as long as I know what the deal is, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the harshness it's irritating, but you're, it's what you say. Like it is what it is. Yeah, you, you accept it and adapt. He's Mon Pa had an issue with Castron. I know I did. Zonker did. Z Martello. A lot of a lot. Z Martello did. Right, he brought yep. some of that on himself. Unfortunately, he could have just taken out that one line of getting people to do maintenance on his caches would have been fine. But he stood by his guns, and that's what he felt. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he made it clear. And he's moving on, whichever way he moves, whether to keep caching or not. But I know he's still cat geocaching. Yeah. But you know, he's, he he stood his ground as well. Yeah. But it's, it's like you know, a few years back, not to to, to overharp like harp on this topic, yeah. but when uh, Cash Tech and Cash Agent said. The Dobson Trail is becoming yeah. too saturated. You've got to have caches 300 meters apart. Yeah. Um, and Hillbilly and Jim had to go and move all of these caches and stuff. And now they've softened on that because, you know, there's plenty of places where caches are a yeah. lot closer than that. Yeah. And the bottom line is that, on, especially on those trails, like when you're hiking, um, there's only a select group of caches that are going to do hike, no matter how many caches are on that trail. Yeah. You're how many, we did the Dobson Trail, the lower part from Kent Road down to Funded Park. And how many... They've been out two years now, two and a half yeah. years. And maybe 30, fine, maybe thirty fines. Maybe. And these are ones that were on. You know, we drove along the road. Oh yeah. So yeah. the ones in the woods had less names because some people were just getting the parking grab. Yeah. yeah. Now it's hard to do a parking grab in the woods with Hillbilly Bob because they're forty meters off the trail. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's really a parking grab, yeah. especially where he puts them. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think you are right. Like once once you sort of get. You know what it is, like whatever that is, because there's going to be miscommunication. Yeah, there's going to definitely. be, and you know, and, but once you get past that, and you're like, okay, well, that's the rule. If that's the rule, then that's the if, rule. If then Graham I'll speaks it tomorrow, you know what? There's only one cash allowed in a square kilometer, and that's what we're sticking to, and that's the way it was. You'd complain, and you'd be like, what? But it is what it is. And yeah, you'd accept it as long as you did it consistently. Yeah, absolutely. I've yeah. had lots of caches returned to me, and I've had to make changes. So I just make changes. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. I've had a few, and you know, when I first started caching. I had a couple denied, and I was, yeah, bleep, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I was mad for a while. I got over it. I'm like, okay, well, I just can't do that. I'll try and come up with something else, yeah. and and you move on, and that's it. So, you know, if you're able to move on and you want to continue to play, then you know you play within those particular guidelines. If not, well, you know what? That that's okay. You can you can play a different kind of game. So, um, all right. So that that. I think that was a big one on reviewers. Yeah. Um, we can uh, we can chime in on the mobile apps. We had a conversation about that, and that'll actually come up to something else that came up that I forgot to talk about in the uh, the news block. But we've been talking about doing a uh, chatting about using mobile apps, cell phone apps for geocaching for quite a while. I'm always have it on the bottom of my my notes for next month. Next month, so this month I finally said we're going to actually do this. So. Um, I know for myself, I have an iPhone, and uh, Reverend here's got a, an Android phone, so we're kind of both sides of the uh, the spectrum. And I had a BlackBerry. And you had a BlackBerry, yes, that's right. So and uh, I know Paul just recently got himself an iPhone. You uh, doing? Any, have you used the apps or anything? We, we for our iPod Touch, we had the geocaching, the official geocaching.com okay. app. Okay. Um, which I found convenient when you were at a hotel or whatever to say, see, is there anything near here? Yeah. yeah. And, and get that. Uh, when you're away from Wi-Fi, you've got nothing. Yeah. But yeah. now... Uh, we can do the mobile hotspot if we want to. Like, cause I was thinking about getting the app again for the phone. Oh, okay. Get it for the phone and have to pay for it again. Ah, do you do you have it on your? 
iTunes. Do you have it in iTunes? I'm not sure. If you because if you have the app in your iTunes on your computer, you can load, you, you can load it on your phone. That'll save me money. So yeah. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's a neat little app. Yeah, I, I was going to say like we might could, as well put it on if you can. Yeah. I was going to say if you uh, you want to do the rundown on on your Android and BlackBerry experience there. Uh, well, I'll start with my BlackBerry because I don't use it anymore. <laughs> but uh, I was using two programs. Uh, Black Blackstar. Blackstar and, uh, and Cashberry. Cashberry, yes. Now, Cashberry had a lot more features to it. Uh, Blackstar had some one or two advantages over it, and I can't remember what they were anymore. Um, I think it was easier using Blackstar to find caches in the field. Just, you were sitting there and said, what's near me? Okay. I didn't know. And I think that was quicker. And I used to use that to find caches, and then I would take the coordinates and put them in my GPS or transfer over to Cashberry somehow. Okay. But Cashberry was a lot better for organizing what I was doing, uh, field notes, taking logs. It did everything I needed to do. I found over 300 uh, caches with my BlackBerry. Wow. The GPS, it was accurate. It worked well. And um, the BlackBerry, BlackBerry was good, but the BlackBerry was slow. Yeah. And I yeah. hated it for that. It was great for, t- for field notes because you can type like a bugger on, on BlackBerry. Yeah. You can't on an iPhone or an Android. No. Yeah. Unless you're really good. But then, you know, DamnYouAutoCorrect.com will be, getting, <laughs> will be getting my logs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, the you found your what? <laughs> you found your what? <laughs> you signed what? Um, so I don't use my BlackBerry anymore, but those were two good apps. I paid for them. I, I like them both. Um, but if I had to pick one, I would get Cashberry. So anyone's got a BlackBerry, okay. go get Cashberry. It will work. You will like it. You will enjoy it even though you have a BlackBerry. <laughs> I, don't, I do not. No dig there at all. I, I do not miss my BlackBerry except for the keyboard. I don't yeah. miss the tiny screen. I don't miss waiting forever for a page to load. <laughs> but uh, other than that, so now I'm on my Android, and I'm using uh, the official app, and I'm using CGEO, which uh, the official app is garbage. I hate it. It, it. it it works. I don't like it. It's cumbersome. It's awkward. It's just not as user-friendly as I would like it to be. I'm a Magellan user. Magellans are very easy to use as opposed to a Garmin. Now that I own a Garmin, I realize that. (laughs) My Magellan is just so much more user-friendly, I find. Um, But the the CGEO is very user-friendly. You turn it on, open your map, boom, there they are, you see them. You click on it just like on the website. It brings up the listing, and you click the... the, the, um, you can actually search for it from the listing. It will give you a distance and a bearing rating the listing okay. up at the top in the details. But if you push the little compass button, it turns on your good old compass with an arrow and distance. That's neat. And walk right to it, and it's accurate. It's perfect. You can log online instantly. See, I haven't cached with the official app. I don't know if they, that you can that well, but I, I find it good for doing field notes and stuff yeah. like that. I like that. So like I said, CGEO, which has now gone on. The original guy who developed it was not happy with GroundSpeak. Yep. They were they were giving him difficulties with trying to get in get stuck at the API going, even though he was one of the twenty approved uh, oh, developers yeah. to use it. They were giving him a hard time. He just got fed up and wanted to give it up. And the Android market community, where it's an open market, they jumped at it. Yeah. So there's a, there's half a dozen developers, and I've and they're doing a lot of updates to it now. There's a lot of stuff. So there's more people working on it. So love it. I'll be using it for a long time. Good. So I, I like it better than my new my my new used 
60 CS that I bought. <laughs> There's one thing we know about o- open source development is that it catches on like wildfire and doesn't get swamped by mass marketing at all. <laughs> That's right. Um, I know my computer has Linux to the T's. Oh, wait. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's funny today. I, I, I'm going to go off on a tangent here real quick That's uh, okay. while I'm thinking of it. Paul, Paul can relate. I purchased this. I use 60 CS off of GeoRider for those of you who remember GeoRider. And so far, it has given me trouble. And I'm not happy. Its caches are missing. It's The coordinates are off compared to my original. So now we can sort of half blame all those <laughs> crappy GeoRider hides that he had out there on, uh, on his uh, Garmin. On his it particular. was not performing up to snuff for sure. I loaded 500 and some caches on it today. The yeah. same pocket query I used to load my Magellan. Okay. I put it in GSAC, loaded up, transferred 500 to my Magellan, took the same 500, dragged them over, and uploaded them to my new Garmin, <laughs> went out, and there was, we'd be on the Dobson Trail, there'd be three of them missing in a row. Don't know where they went. See, I'm a, I'm a convert to the Garmins, but the Magellan, the, Explo- the old Explorist series, the, the 100, 200, 400, yeah. 500... That was a fantastic series of GPSs. Yeah. Um, it's really a shame that uh, the Explorer... Well, they've rebooted the Explorer series, but the Magellan name got sold, yeah. but all of the intellectual property didn't. So it's really a new company under uh, Magellan. But the old Explorer stuff was a phenomenal... Mm. And so, it was very user-friendly. It's a much easier yeah. GPS when you're starting out. So it sounds like maybe you got a... The unit he had the, may have been... Well, the top, yeah, the rubber that covers the antenna comes off. And I have a hard time turning it on and off. And I'm going to do a comparison this week with my Magellan and that and see if there really is much of a difference. Well, maybe, maybe that's why his patches <laughs> were terrible. I, I think, yeah. I mean, because be, the, the thing is, is that there's a lot of people who love that unit. Like, that's, that's a yeah, unit that gets raised. Everybody loves that. That's supposed to be the best, the Cadillac. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it may have been that, that that one just happens to be, there's a bad receiver in it, or there's something that's... Yeah, that's you know, I wonder if, uh, if they would do anything to replace that. Because that's one thing Magellan was really good. We had, I bought an Explorist from eBay... And it just died. I contacted uh, Magellan, and they like they said, send us that unit. And they, I sent them that unit, and they sent us a new Triton. Like, no questions asked. I had no really? receipt, nothing like that. And they're like, here you go. <laughs> Where's the Triton? Stacy's, is it? Oh, you still have it? Yeah. Okay, I thought you got rid of it because it was garbage. I, I don't <laughs> like That's why Stacy used it. I heard the Tritons are awful. I really heard they're, they were bad. They're very clunky. Yeah. Smeryl had one, and, yeah. uh, I, and he... He was trying to pretend he liked it. I remember that. <laughs> well, yeah. I, there was a guy at work that had bought one from a uh, from like Doctor Deals or something. The guy got him to buy it, and I'm like, he's like, "Oh, it's so awesome!" And then he discovered at that time anyway. I don't know what it's like now, but at that time, no maps of any kind for Canada available. At the uh, yeah, they're, <laughs> the they're map, programmed like to connect. Yeah, <laughs> the maps you uploaded for me are are good. They work. They're working. The okay, maps work. Just and there's no geocaches on. Yeah, them. it's it's and it's funny to talk about maps. I uh, I got the City Navigator 2012 today. Nice. So and it works. I was very happy to see that. But it's unfortunate. I will that, have to purchase my own copy for yeah. my GPS. Yes, the, uh, the the city navigator doesn't work on the sixty CS, which is unfortunate because that would give you. I know my way around the city. So I'm in the woods. I need <laughs> so. so anyway, back to apps. Yes. Yeah, so take over for the yeah, iPhone. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll chat about the iPhone stuff. So I've um, I basically used as far as uh, apps for geocaching. I've used two: the official app and Geosphere. So I'll. Uh, I'll talk about Geosphere first, and I'll be the first one to admit that I don't do a lot of caching with my phone. Um, I am a GPS guy, whether it was my old Legend or my new Oregon. I prefer those 
over any kind of mobile app. I, uh, but, you know, in a pinch, you don't have your GPS, you're in an area, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll go caching and I can use my phone because I never found the accuracy to be reliable. Um, it, it will get you there and sometimes it's really good, other times it is garbage. But as far as Geosphere, Geosphere is a, uh, is an, is a non-official app, so it doesn't come with, from GroundSpeak. Uh, but it is a fantastic app. You can load your pocket queries. You can do all of the stuff that you can uh, to go caching. So you can navigate to a cache. You can do field notes. You can, uh, like, everything. It's got the map inter interface. You can look at a map. You can do all the things that you need to. Does it download live in the field? What do you mean? Do you have to have it loaded as a pot, as a... From your pocket query? Or can you be out somewhere can, and say, show me the caches it, here like the official app? If I, what it'll do, and that's what I, I was just going to bring up, okay, is you sorry. can't, you can't, what you can do is you can say, find, find near me. And yeah. what I'm guessing it does is, is it grabs the, uh, it grabs your coordinates. Every, every, <laughs> every time. Every, every podcast. Single, like every podcast. Why do I feel like I'm, every time that happens, I'm reminded, another tangent, I'm reminded of, uh, I used to listen to the Lost podcast, yeah. the TV show Lost. Every time they had the podcast, the phone would ring in the middle. It was an ongoing joke with the two producers. It happened every single time. Their and phone would ring. Their phone in the office oh, okay. would ring. And so every time I hear your phone or my phone or a phone go off in the middle of our, our podcast, that's exactly what I think. I think it's happened almost every time. <laughs> so anyway, as far as Geosphere, what it does is, It'll. Uh, I think what it does is it hits the uh, search by uh, coordinates, yeah. right? And it'll bring up a browser window. So you get a browser with like a browser window within the app, and it lists all the ones that are near you, right? So it doesn't filter out, filter out your finds, but you do get a list that's accurate to where you're at. You can't. Can you click on a <coughs> search tool? Can I what? The list that pops up. Can you? Pick one of the yeah. And what happened? You click on it, and it would bring up the page. And what you can do then is you would say uh, download GPX. Okay. And it'll the GPX gets brought. Uh, you get a prompt, and it'll say what group do you want to download this into, and it'll add okay. it to your. So you're you're downloading the GPX, so you you can get it. You just can't do a live map because it, it it's not going to show you a map the same way the official app would. Um, or if you had a pocket query pre-downloaded, but you still can say search from where I am, okay, and it, yeah. it doesn't have any. If it had no data, it's not on the it, best way to do it, but it will. <clears throat> and that—that that is the thing I find a little bit clunky about the app. I really do like it. I think it's a great app, but the fact that everything that you want to do is browser-based. So if I want to get my pocket queries, yeah, it brings up a browser window. I have to log in and I have to click on all the links to get to where my pocket queries are. When I click on the Pocket query, boom, up a prompt comes and says, do you wish to download what group? Yeah. And it'll download, and it downloads the whole thing. So you get <clears throat> you get the full listings with all the pictures and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like the official app, uh, how easily it does that. That is where, and I was, that's a good segue into the official app, which is the official app, because it is the official app, they have direct access to the geocaching.com database. So there's no browser interface. It's purely the interface on the phone. So I can say find from where I'm at. I get a nice list of all the the caches in the area that I'm in. I can get the hints and I can log the field. And all that is direct. There's no there's no clunky or ugly looking browser interface on the phone. Um, it could use some work. I mean, it's vastly better now than it ever was. The 451 release, which is the latest one that I have, is way better than the older versions. You can finally bring up a map, say, show me a map, and it'll show you all the caches on the map. You it'll can, only show you a, a few, though, like maybe 20 or 30. Yeah, because I think if you pan on the map, it does, I don't think it updates. No, I think you have to... 
and you have to like leave and come back, but you can still click on them and say, I want to, you know, look at this particular cache and, uh, and you can get the, the details and you can navigate to them. Uh, it does satellite maps, the topo maps and the regular street maps. So it has all that kind of functionality. It does have a couple of things I like too. Uh, you can do trackables. So if you uh, spot a trackable you want to discover or retrieve, you can do it right from the phone. You can do that in CGO as well. Yeah, which is, is kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, and the thing I like with the field notes, which finally is working on my phone because it didn't I work. I noticed. Is that now, uh, the one thing I loved about the official app was the fact that if I did a field note, it would submit the field note, but I have it linked to my Twitter account, <clears throat> and so it would say on Twitter, Zor has found this cache with the link, and then that also updates my Facebook. Now, I don't do that all the time. No. I but, know what you have been doing it lately, so I knew you had it fixed. Yeah, so it finally started working again, which reminds me, you can do that now on your logs. When you log your finds online... If you connect your Twitter and your Facebook account to geocaching.com, really? on the very bottom when yeah. you're when you're log when you uh, when you log, if you've set it up, there's there'll be two little check boxes: send to Twitter, send to Facebook, Me. and you can send it directly. I have it turned off in CGEO because I don't do that, but yeah. I can do it. Like, and I I wouldn't I wouldn't do it for everyone, but you know, certain ones I'm like, oh, this would be kind of cool. Yeah. Or, or if I don't have my if I don't have my GPS, that's a great way for me to maybe someday geocaching will allow hashtags and logs. That would be nice. You do a hashtag like at C-U-N-D would yeah, yeah. show up. Yeah, that would be very And then cool. you could have your log. But then again, you're getting at length, right? Because Twitter's only 160 100, characters. 140. 140 40, characters. 40. So yeah. you run into a problem with, with truncation. Yeah, if the, the name gets mm. cut off or whatever. But Don't giggle, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the, the, the scoop is, as far as the official app is concerned, you know, I'm... I, I like it. I don't use it very often, but I use it in a pinch if I'm somewhere that I, I don't have my GPS and I want to go out. Um, and and that's that's all I got to say on on, on the official app. So if you <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Worst part is you, you have to own an iPhone to do that. Well, you know you have to. The and you know the official app is slightly different for the Android, of course, because it's a different platform. Yeah, it looks a lot alike, but it. It does the same things, but a little bit different. A little bit different. I'd be curious to see if the uh, the Windows Phone version is if there's anything different about that one. Um, that does, however, bring one more thing about uh, official apps, which was part of the news. Is in the last update to geocaching.com, they officially unveiled the fact that a public API is now available. Um, it is not available to the public, however. <laughs> so the, the scoop is, and for those who don't know what that means, is that um, an API refers to application program or interface, and what that lets uh, people do is if they have an open API, that means anybody can write a program of any kind and, and interface with that API to have it do certain things. So the most common thing you would want is to say look up a geocache code. Like if I have a code, I want to look it up, or I want to search for, or I want them whatever. Those they can they can do a call to the geocaching.com website and get that information into their own app. So the, the by doing that, something like for example GSAC, which is the one everybody's asking about. Mm. If GSAC could hit the geocaching.com API, you could you wouldn't need to download your pocket queries as a separate file. You could say get my query, and it would go to geocaching and download it directly into GSAC as opposed to downloading the zip and importing it in, yeah. it would just hit it automatically so it's that kind of integration that people have been talking about cool. and the the first official app of their new API was released it's actually a Blackberry geocaching program and it, the name of it escapes me what it is uh, but they're saying that's the first of the next bunch that are going to come out 
And I think the plan is they're going to roll out these these first apps, and then at some point it'll go public, and then anybody can write anything. So this is something we could use on Cash App NB. Absolutely. So, so we, we could make links to do certain things from Cash App NB. Yeah, like without having to go to GroundSpeak. We would not have to ask for permission because yeah. they'll create the API, and the API will dictate. Here's what you can do. Here's how many times you can hit it. Like. Uh, Twitter, for example, is a prime example. Our, our live blog, yeah. the, the ticker that we have, that uses the Twitter API. So there's a piece of code that runs in the background, yeah. and you can only hit the Twitter engine like, I think it's like 10 times every minute or 100 times every minute or whatever it is, and it'll, it'll hit the server and pull back info, and it'll do that however many times. And there's a whole series of things that you can do. You can get latest tweets, search on tweets, whatever. So it's that sort of thing that GroundSpeak at some point will publish and say, here's what we let you do. And I, I mean, the first thing you, I, I would love to see is them say, you know, you can pull down a giant list of caches, but I'm sure they're going to limit how many you can pull down because someone in theory could pull the entire database. If, if, yeah. But the idea being you could say, hey, pull down, give me a, give me a list of caches all in of New Brunswick. Brunswick, all of New Brunswick, or show me... You know, pick a random cache for all of Canada, and it would just grab like little things like that. So you could do a lot of different things, yeah. and all of these you third could be able to do something with uh, based on favor points or something. Yeah, like, that. like there, there's a lot of different things that are are probably going to come. It's just a matter of seeing what it is they allow you to do and how it works. And as soon as that API comes out, so the, <coughs> that would change how you do your random geocache. Absolutely, because it would be a true random geocache yeah. live. It would come of, right out of their database. Instead of out of your database. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, I know that's a little side from the yeah, uh, the mobile well, apps, but it's definitely definitely something that uh, I think people should be curious about. I know that uh, I know there's a lot of chatter about GSAC using the API because if GSAC can hit that API, that that will fundamentally change the people the way people work with their queries on the geocaching.com. It, it'll, it'll cut down on traffic on geocaching.com as well. So, you know, like, yep. oh, like people loading pages and stuff yep. like that. People just go grab the database, hit it, and come back. Yeah, grab whatever they want. So it, it may save them some bandwidth, actually. Yeah, in the it's, it's possible. It's, it's, so you don't have to go through four or five pages to get that. And I, th I think the thing that has been sort of a hindrance to that is obviously the fact that, you know, if they opened up their entire database... Someone can come along, copy it, and then start a rival site. I think has been what a, a fear has been, and they're they're a private company. That that database and that service that is their that is a core of part of their business. So I think that's why they're very careful about what it is that they're going to release to to the general public. But I, I think it's fantastic. Well, open caching got every geocacher on board. They could do it. Yep. But anyway, I won't get into the big <laughs> thing with that. But I mean, it's a free website. Other than the premium member, yep, queer like caches, I can do that if I wanted to methodically, you know, take a month and do it or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. The information is there. If I really wanted to, I can find all of the Moncton area geocaches and put them on Moncton geocaching and call them Moncton caches. <laughs> yeah, Polly's. So. <laughs> Polly's caches. Oh, just they're called Polly's. Like Munzies. Like Munzies. The Polly's. So anyway, yeah. That that uh, you have anything to chime in on the mobile the mobile platform there, Paul? No, I'm I'm woefully quiet on mobile apps. <laughs> You're woefully woefully quiet. Okay. All right. So the the last topic actually, as far as uh, monthly discussions, is uh, actually tied to something that when we recorded the original podcast, I really went on a tangent. Or well, not a tangent. I really went on a big rant. 
because uh, I will be perfectly blunt, I was pissed. <laughs> I was really, really irritated by it, and I've since kind of gotten over it, so maybe it's kind of good, you know, that the, the, the time has passed and we've had to re-record this. Now uh, we have Paul. <laughs> now we have Paul. Um, but basically, what, what I had noticed was is that uh, one of the things I do on a fairly frequent basis is go through the list of events on, like, the newest in New Brunswick, as far as uh, newest caches and events are always listed as first because they're coming in the future. And I noticed that the first page was just 20 events. And I don't know what we're at right now, but there was 20 events listed and half were breakfast. So that meant 50% of the, the events coming up in the province of New Brunswick were going to be breakfast events. So you had breakfast in Moncton, breakfast in St. John. Uh, I, I don't think there were any Fredericton ones at the time. I don't know if they had any more. But the, they do but, have their one a they, month. Yeah, they do have their one a month that does come up. Um, and, and so there was all of these breakfast events. And St. Stephen's starting to do them now. <clears throat> St. Stephen. Uh, Tedagusher had a couple. Uh, and then there was some of them that are listed out as far as October. Right here, and this at the time it was July. We're August now, but still, we were seeing listings for breakfasts in October, and I was I was a little I was irritated by it, and not not because I don't think that there's merit in having you know events, and that you know there's anything wrong with having a breakfast event, but it just seemed that you know three years ago when Zonker three and a half years ago when Zonker started doing the first odd one here in Moncton and then Girard really took over and it's I mean that's how yeah. long it's been and it really took seems to have gone completely the opposite end of being a little breakfast once in a while to Moncton. that's the biggest thing that goes on in the in the province it seems now is it's, it's always breakfast and to me it felt very uninspired and any and anybody that knows me knows that I'm a guy that most of the time I like to try and I would like to do unique things, and I'd like to see more unique events. I've never been so grateful for the ignore function yeah. on geocaching as I have with all of these breakfasts coming out. Because I haven't got it for, for me, like anything that's that's monthly, to be honest, um, is is unnecessary. It's a group of local cashers. If you know there's cashers coming from away, um, then by all means have an event. For these guys or whatever. Like, PEI does a really good job on events. They have a bunch of different events. Like, they, they have pirate-themed events. They have this type of event. They have, like, they have them all over. They'll have a breakfast. They'll have a supper. Like, they do a lot of different type of events. Yeah. So even if they were themed or, did, like, something to make them unique. <coughs> like, this month's breakfast event is dressed like a chicken. I don't <laughs> care what it is. But it's, it's so, like... And I, I'm going to try not to go on a rant because I, I hate them. Like... For one, most of them I'm not going to go to, so they go automatically onto the ignore list. But I don't need to know that you're going to have an event in October, because I already know, because I've been beaten over the head with them <laughs> for the past year and a half that you have a monthly event. Because you're going to see August and September sitting right there, too. To me, ground speak, if they want to do, talk about quality of cash and quality, it's like something that's monthly and the same group of people, give or take one or two new persons uh, you know, here and there... It's just, that's your local caching group, or association, or buddies, or whatever. Go there and do it. An event is an event. Like, if you did it once every two or three months. Hey, we haven't seen each other, let's exchange some stories. But when you're, when you're doing them every single month, and there's other events in between at the same location or nearby, it just gets too much, and, you know, it bugs me to no end to see the events published for September, October, and soon November, I'm sure. Like, we get it. 
last Sunday of the month, or first Sunday of the month, or second Sunday of the month, whatever. Everyone knows. Meet there. Do your thing. But it's going on my ignore list. Yeah. Well, I think you're not the only one, because the events were getting 40 people, and now they're getting 10, 12 people. I think it's regional, though. I think that I looked at the, the, the specifics on the three big ones, the Moncton, the yeah. Fredericton, and the St. John. The Fredericton ones are pretty, are pretty consistent. They've yeah. always had a pretty good attendance on their breakfasts. Uh, I, I don't know what the specific numbers are, but they... they and they're the only ones that are listing them one at a time. I have no problem with that. Today's, you know, if we had the, the breakfast event today, and then I go home and I submit for the next month, and then by the time it's published, I can archive the one from today because everyone will have logged. Yeah. I, I think, I, and I think, well, I mentioned that. I don't know where else it came from. Or maybe it was on one of the Facebook pages or something. Somebody had mentioned the fact, is it necessary to have it out that far? And... You know, I I I kind of see I, and this is just my personal opinion, and I'm not. T- I know that some people they want to get them out there and they want to have them in there, and and that's entirely you know that's entirely your decision, obviously. But I think that there's a little bit of merit to say that for events that are generally amongst the Cache community that know that if you live in St. John, it's what the the second Sunday I think it is, second or third Sunday of the month. The, the general community knows that happens every single month. I, I don't know if it's necessary to say three months from now, here's an event for a breakfast, and well, then here's the one before that, and the one before and that. people are going to go, oh, you know, I'm going to St. John on the third Sunday of October. I wonder if there's an event. Yeah, it, it's a little bit different when you're dealing with, you know, a specific, like a, a corn boil, because I was going to talk about yeah. the corn boils, or the INP uh, hunt for geocache. Yeah, the stat, whatever the Irving Nature Park. Yeah, the Irving Nature Park event, which yeah. is happening on the fourteenth. You know, there's some of those those kinds of things you're planning for. You, a lot of people aren't necessarily planning for for breakfast that are few that are. It's convenient. I've had a couple of it, like when we were in uh, St. John for the the curling jamboree with the kids. There happened to be the breakfast event there, and that was neat. But it was just by chance. Like I, I'm not going to plan my vacation around. Like you could do a tour of. Well, there was a day that we were going to go caching, and we weren't really sure. And I said, well, there's a breakfast in St. John. Let's cache towards St. John, get a few, go to the breakfast, cache up to Fredericton, just do a loop. Yeah. And uh, that was May or June, I can't remember. June, I think. June, and I, and I, when I went to log, I logged the August, August one by mistake. <laughs> because they're all sitting right on top of each other, and I just clicked on yeah, the log. That's event stacking. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think one of the things is that it's, it's definitely something... It's it's definitely regional because you've you've got the the, the Fredericton ones that seem to be pretty consistent. I don't, I'm not so much about the St. John. I looked a little bit and it kind of fluctuates. I know the Moncton ones have kind of gone up and down. I know that they had real high attendance for a while, and <clears throat> you know I kind of looked and generally, Paul, you're, you're you were right when you were saying the fact that it's generally the same group that's going over to over. The, with with some of the stragglers that come in and hit it on odds. I mean, you and I went to the Moncton one not that long ago, and it was a pretty, it was a pretty decent turnout. That's like, the first time I've gone to one here in forever, though. And it was the same thing, and, and you know, I, I just haven't been going to breakfast mostly just out of time oh, for I'm myself. Driving from Sackville to Moncton for a, for a breakfast. The, well, the last breakfast only had like a dozen people attend. Oh, yeah. did it? Well, that's, just, that's what I saw. But, but either way, like regardless, for one, you don't need to publish them so much in advance. For two, like do something different, like. They don't even change the listings. Do, no, do something so different. Eat at a different place. Have, like, I don't know, have a brunch, something. God. <laughs> so, I, I think one thing maybe we can all agree on is that, at least from the perspective of these three cashers sitting here, you know, it, it definitely would be nice to see more... More uniqueness in everything, whether whether it's containers 
or whether it's events, it would be nice to see a little I bit more. I don't want to... I'd like to do an event, but there's just so many. I feel like it's just going to blend in with all the other ones that people are just going to say, oh, another event. Yeah. And I want to... You know, I've got a couple ideas for events, but... I don't know if I want to do them because there's just so many events. Yeah. Like lost among the breakfasts. Yeah. So, I, and I think, you know, maybe it's time to switch it up a little bit. And the other thing, though, I, I should make one more point on that, though, is that obviously it is it is dependent on region because, I mean, all three of us were from the general Moncton and eastern New Brunswick part of the province. So, you know, if in St. John and in Fredericton or St. Stephen, whatever other community... If if the breakfasts are going strong and the cashers really really like it and it, it's it's ongoing and ongoing, you know, good for them. Maybe we don't like it. Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it does kind of blend in with everything else. Um, but I mean, I I don't necessarily want to turn around and say you know guys in St. John you should stop doing breakfast because it's boring as hell. Uh, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say you know I'm not a big fan of seeing ten out of twenty. Events for the for the province is being breakfast. I'm not going to say stop doing it, but I will say it's like boring as hell. Like, it is. Go, go for it. Like, yeah. plant, put submit them for the next year, but they'll be going. <laughs> that's why I love the the ignore function because I, I'm not going to look at them. I've got them all on ignore. I only see like three events right now. Yep. Oh, really? Me too. Yeah. I didn't even know how to unignore something until I noticed the fact it was one of the bookmark lists. You can add it to your list. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that. No, so. but to me, like. That's actually funny. When we when we went to the one in St. John, I was like, where is it? I was like, oh, I've got it on my ignore list. So I had to remove it to be able to log it. So, Oh, we can move on now. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think we're good. So, you know, we, we, uh, we did a little bit of ranting on the, uh, on the breakfast stuff. And uh, where are we? We're at like an hour and a half. We're pretty close, aren't we? Well, you're going to edit out a few minutes. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. The kids came in. So uh, I'll cut some of that out. So speaking of, uh, of events, <laughs> um, I have some, uh, some events listed up here. Um, so we, we, we talked about the events of the breakfast already. There's a, a whole slew of uh, breakfasts that are listed to come out in their, within the next few months. So their regular Tri-City breakfast, Moncton, uh, St. John, Fredericton, I think, has some in there. Maybe not, but I know that they, uh, they typically have their month... Their monthly one, their bungle in the jungle. It's the latest place that they've been going. Um, I'm going to skip over the next one for a moment. There's uh, two corn boils going on. There's one in near Fredericton and one near St. John, I think. Yep. So I'd like to try and get to one. They've been, and the last couple of years they've been yeah. doing that. Yeah. So. And you corn know what? Boils are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I haven't had a chance to go to... Uh, I'm going to start a monthly corn boil. <laughs> Do I have to do when there's no corn. I'm going to save it. Save it. Popcorn boil. You're going to be hoarding your corn That's in your right. house. <laughs> uh, there's the INP event. So there's the Irving Nature Park uh, search for cash. Yeah, that's a major family. I didn't even yeah. know they still cash. Yeah, they uh, they have their big event in St. John, which is on the 14th, which I was going to go to, but I actually have a family commitment that day, so uh, I, I don't think I can, uh, I can make it to that. Um... The afternoon treat event, I think, already happened. Yeah, that one was already gone. And you already mentioned the uh, the pick your poison. Pick your poison tomorrow, which is tomorrow. Uh, so if you're in the Moncton area, well, we should let people know we're recording this on the seventh Sunday <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you hear this, it'll be, it'll be gone. It'll be already gone. Yeah, because this will probably that was a great event. Yeah, <laughs> awesome <laughs> event. Yeah. yeah, thousands showed up. The world's <laughs> biggest mega. I ate soap. <laughs> I ate soap. <laughs> And there's a chocolate place right there. Ganong. <laughs> I Paul eats. So. I, I love lamp. <laughs> and uh, so the the last event that I'm going to mention is a plug for my uh, for my own, which is the uh, the Mountains Race for Cash, which is being held on the 13th. Uh, that is next weekend, so next Saturday. 
uh, is the big race event. This is the fourth year that I've had the event. Um, as of today, there are 25 teams that are registered. Uh, so it's definitely been a jump in the last week because I had under 20 We're last registered. week. Pardon? Are we registered? You are registered, okay. yes. yes. Um, and I'm expecting a few more teams to come in. Uh, in fact, I know that there's more teams because there's people I know that are coming that are, haven't registered I, a team yet. I'm not just saying this because Matt has a gun pointed to my face. But, <laughs> uh, it is the best event around. So much work goes into it and it's so much fun. And I, I, I've even said to my non-casting friends, like, it's so worth doing, like, uh, family friendly, just hilarious, so much fun. I I appreciate you saying. I I hope people this check be it the out. Best year and ever. even and the thing is that even if you don't have time during the day, the barbecue itself is also an awesome time. Yeah, because the good crowd, big big crowd, good crowd, great food, lots of. Well, technically dishes. that is the event. <laughs> yes, yes, technically that's the event. Um, and last year, uh, Super D shouting down Matt. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty funny. That's what Tamara said today. My wife. She uh, she was talking about uh, my son Dylan being my co-host at the uh, the barbecue. <laughs> Just shutting Matt down. La, 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 la. <laughs> but, but the event itself, like last year, was just it's gotten progressively better. We've done it every year, and it's just been awesome. Well, I'm glad you like it. A um, couple of things we I I we were in the paper. So last weekend, the weekend yeah, of YouTube. It was a big. There was not a big, but there was at least an a write up about the about the race event in uh, in the Saturday edition of the Times transcript. So if you happen to catch the uh, the Times transcript, you could have read about it there. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I finally. Well, when we recorded this this podcast the last time, I actually when we were all done, me and uh, Reverend here had quite a conversation because Rev's going to be helping with a couple of things for this year's race, and. Uh, I was a little discouraged this year. I was very discouraged by some of the stops because they sucked. Like they really, some of the the, I, the spots I had picked out for the race, it was really lame, and I was really <laughs> picking rhubarb. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have no problem saying it was, it was pathetic. Some of the things Matt that I had placemat. <laughs> so uh, we sat down, me and, and and my wife, and we had a good conversation, brainstorming, came up with some other really really good ones. So I'm really looking forward good. to this year. So I think everybody's gonna. I think everybody's going to have a good time. It looks like we're going to match, if not beat, the amount of people we had last I'm year. I'm sure you will. So, uh, and there is a fee. This is the first year I've had to charge a fee, and I was very uncomfortable doing that. I did not want to have to charge a fee, but last year cost me out of pocket 350 bucks, and I only got about a Honestly, third of that back. And the thing was, is that at three dollars a person, I don't think that's anything to ask. You could charge five or ten dollars a head, and I don't think it would affect the crowds. And I think people. <laughs> I would think feel you should charge five dollars a head because I'm going to be charging. <laughs> my services, um, but but honestly, like I think I think anyone who's competed in the event or done it uh, would not begrudge the well, registration fee as it is. Yeah, and it's funny because that's what I did last year at the at the barbecue. I hit up a whole bunch of people. Say, would you pay? Would you pay three or four dollars a person to do this? And everybody said the same thing. Well, yeah, for us, the four of us do it. And if it was five dollars a person, twenty dollars for that day in the entertainment. Right. Well, so, that, that, that's hey, just e- it. Even if you're paying a little bit out of pocket for some of the sites, it's so worth it. Yeah. Because overall, like like last year, might have cost us. Let's say it cost us twenty five bucks. Yeah. For a a day out, like you're not going to get that as a family anywhere. No. You won't I'm, have nearly that fun. Yeah. Yeah. So. And sometimes you get to eat some of the the stuff, some of the tasks. Yeah. Yes, you get to and oh yes, the candy store, the the, the food market was great. Galactus, Galactus, the you sushi, had, you sushi. You had what else? The caster cocktail. <laughs> that was awesome. I had. I there, there was a lot of people last I year. I bought a big red apple at that 
that was that market on oh the Dolma yeah. Foods yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Zonker and I each had a nice big apple that was perfect yes and I, I did say at, in the last time we recorded this I did say that yes the there is one stop that people will be going to uh, which I gave away which was the Wana Waffle cart so everybody's going to be required to eat one Wana Waffle uh, one each team will be required one person to eat a Wana Waffle uh, you'll have to go there and then they'll give you your clue and. I went for that because, man, they're good, and I, I thought it was a great day. Not only that, he's a geocacher. Yeah, he is a geocacher. And he's a good guy. Real nice guy. So, uh, And the waffles are delicious. And the waffles are delicious. So hopefully hopefully people like that. This year's a little different. The start is a little different. If you've run the race before, you'll definitely note the, the beginning is different because uh, you're going to get four tasks right off the bat, and you can pick the order you want to do them nice. in. Nice. I like that. And uh, that way it'll kind of break it up a little bit. Yeah. So. But hope to see a lot more people there. And uh, so there, that's the end of my, uh, my little plug for myself. Uh, any other uh, closing comments, upcoming topics, stuff to finish up with? No. no I've been out caching since 7.30 this morning. <laughs> You're ready to go home then. We hit the Dobson. <laughs> uh, we went into Sopranos and uh, Alma for pizza. Oh, oh great, great pizza. pizza there. Really? First time we've ever eaten no. either of us. We had a few DNFs pretty... today. But that's, uh, that's okay. Three. three. Yeah, maybe four. three, but... We, were, we, we must have been over 50 caches for the day. Or well, close I, to it. Close to it. Well, that's not bad. I, I went out this morning because I got a few of those Garn 430s. It was one I, one I couldn't find, which I'm going to ask you guys about, and uh, one that I didn't want to find. The one in the... It was one in the less than pleasant area. With I think bag of diapers. Like, let's, uh, let's say what it is. Like, there's, there's one that's... There was garbage there, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was bad. Bag I, just, I saw that and I, I didn't want to go in I, there. In all seriousness, like, I, I try not to be too like anal about that stuff but, <laughs> but it's a biohazard like that's human waste not cool so yeah but the other ones I found I found your uh, phenomenal series great series it's got a, that one catch that I found your uh, the tribute to Nemo the uh, the uh, GLX one oh, yeah. <laughs> Bathurst GLX yeah, Bathurst. you gotta watch the video for yeah. that one yeah, sense. So. you drove right by the caching Corolla yeah <laughs> one, one thing uh, again about the Dobson Trail people probably don't realize if you go 45 Road down on Alma. Yeah. And you cross, you come to Tien's Corner. Yeah. You go straight across Mount Collier Road. Okay. Collier Mountain Road. Collier Mountain Road. Yeah. You can actually get a dozen of, or more of, uh, the Dobson Trail 15 follows 15 or 16. A, per, a road you could do in a car. Yeah, really? Roads. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And okay. then it's not because he put them on roads. The Dobson Trail is actually on right. a road. Like on Kent Road, you can get, there's a bunch on Kent Road as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's true. I remember that. Yeah. On a road. Smith Road. So. Yeah. You know, some of the Dobson, you actually can drive it cool. because it was easier for them to, to just go down that road for yeah. a while than the Blades Trail. See, today yeah. I actually was supposed to do the, uh, I was going to do from Prosser Brook to Smith today, uh-huh. but Tamara had to go to the cottage to do uh, cottage stuff today, so I need to take the kids. You're uh, from Prosser down to Barrington. Barrington, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. I've, got, I've, I've done that. that take yeah. take go the down, time. I guess the, that, the, my closing message is that. We've had a rainy summer. If you have a chance and it's a sunny day, try and get out there. Yeah, I agree. There was still some quite a bit of water in some spots. Yeah, but it was passable. Yeah, we never got wet. Well, Ron, Ron I think did. Ron was like a soaker. Ron was <laughs> a soaker, but so. All right, cool. Anything else? No, I'm oh. great. We'll s- well, next time we can talk. We'll about see the race. you on the trails next time.